You're listening to The Seven Peer Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders, entrepreneurs, and startups fill gaps, streamline operations, and drive success across the seven peers of business. Really quick before we dive into this week's episode, a lot of you haven't yet hit the follow button on your podcast listening platform of choice. And so if you've ever enjoyed this podcast, we have a request. Please go hit the follow button. It helps the show more than you know, and the more exposure we have, the more people we can share these dynamic insights and stories with. Now, without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Seven Peer Podcast. Today, we've got some really cool topics, you know, that we're continuing to address here to our audience and listeners. And we've had a, quite a few suggestions out there to talk a little bit more about technology and what's happened in there. So today, we're going to touch on some tech insights on looking at scaling startups and the trends that are happening out there in the technology world. I'm your host, Anthony Rotoli. I am with my co-host, Aaron Davis, as always. And, you know, Aaron, you know, it was Halloween last night. Um, anything big that happened uh, there in the uh, in the family or around town? Absolutely, we had um, a little black cat, uh, so complete with you know the tail and the the ears and painted on whiskers. And so my my daughter had a blast going around and trick or treating. And you know I also dressed up as a tax collector and fully imposed in full force the annual mom tax on the candy hall. So. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah, I cleaned up as well. Yeah. So, you know, I dressed up too last night. I put lifts in my shoes. So I was just me, but taller. Um, so mm. it was a little bit easier, but my kids actually also imposed the tax. They were out there handing out candy because as they've been getting a little older, they don't really dress up as much and whatever was left ended up basically with all of them. I saw them taking every bit of candy that was left over. Now <laughs> are we talking king size or like the little? Oh no, the things? big size bars. They went, they went because they're not out there trick or treating anymore. They were handing wow. out full size candy bars. So we bought full size bars. We were that house. And, um, but because it was rainy and a little cold last night, you know, it definitely wasn't as busy as we expected it to be. But that being said, mm -hmm all of the stuff that was left is no longer in sight. It has now been taken by the three children and put somewhere in this house, probably in their rooms. So and now begins the wave of dentists racking up in their offices. Exactly. For yeah. That comes, that comes out of the tooth fairy fund. Where That's true. It's That's like they true. have to pay for all the money that we've given them over the years. So, all right. So in the spirit of Halloween and monsters, Inc. So scary feet, scary feet, scary feet. Let's get going. Let's kind of jump in and let's introduce our guest. I am thrilled to introduce to everybody Paul Dorney, who is our special guest on today's episode of the podcast. Paul is currently serving as the CTO at BossCat. Paul is a seasoned tech leader with a profound passion for startups and problem solving. And throughout his professional journey, he has honed his skills in agile practices, fostering open communication and implementing robust systems to address growing pains in organizations. So, you know, Paul, I'm excited to see how those things have influenced your journey, but we'll dive into that a bit more here shortly. Uh, Paul, um, as you will hear, is originally from Ireland, 
From there, he embarked on an interestingly diverse journey throughout the U.S., transitioning from stock market feeds, natural language processing products, to digitizing the sports officiating space, and now helping make home ownership easier with BossCat. So, Paul, welcome to the 7 Peer Podcast. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Anthony. Thanks for having me. Excited to jump in and kind of talk about some technology trends and uh Give you some of my perspective from the ups, downs, and everything from uh, scaling some of the startups. I'm excited to chat to you today. Yeah, Paul, I think that's one of the things that a lot of people are really interested in hearing that are listening with us today, right? Is there are ups and downs no matter what happens through the startup entrepreneurial journey. And even as the companies get into later stages, right? It's this isn't just a startup, you know, problem, right? As you start to grow and scale, there's new things and trends. So, you know, one of the things obviously that's interesting, everybody, as Aaron mentioned, you're from Ireland originally, you know, let's go through, give us a little bit of that personal journey. Like how, what led you from there to here? And obviously now in the Carolinas, but I know you've made your way through a couple of places. So give us a little bit of the background on your journey to get to this point. Yeah, I think uh, if you had met me in college, you I would not have thought I would have stayed in the States for this long. I think uh, my family would have been like, get back to Ireland. But uh, I moved to America. It's coming. It's 15 years now, actually, to the month that I moved to America. Um, I had done computer science in, in Ireland and Fidelity Investments do a really cool program. They were kind of Ireland was a bit of a hotbed at the time, like for testing programs. And what they did is they gave us an opportunity to come to the States. And uh, as you'll probably get, as we'll get into, like, as I ended up starting my own company, I'm a bit of a risk taker, I suppose. I don't think I was, but I suppose I was because I signed a contract where you don't know where you're being placed. You just kind of say, cool, I'll go to America, see what it's like. <laughs> so uh, came to, I ended up initially in the kind of Boston Northeast area and moved over there in 08, spent a few years working at Fidelity Investments, kind of like skill, uh, upskilling myself and everything. And then I joined a company and so I got to the Carolinas, joined a company that had just been bought by SaaS and they were like deep NLP um, sentiment analysis uh, house. And I worked up there for a little bit and then we had the opportunity to move down to North Carolina. And uh, as we're getting up on the winter time, I had kind of had my fill of the Northeast's winters. So I was like, you know what, let's let's see what the South is like. So spent a few years then down in North Carolina at SaaS. And that's what really kind of ignited my entrepreneur journey, like on the professional level was being part of like a really small, cool team that was able to bring products from whiteboard all the way out to you'd see them on like TV, national news. And you seeing how small the actual core team was kind of got me thinking. And, you know, I loved all like the startup kind of books and documentaries and all that stuff. And I was like, I wonder, could I do that? And that's where I stayed in then North Carolina and then recently moved to South Carolina to take up the role at Boscat after I had um, exited from my 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 own startup up in the uh, Triangle area. So that's kind of my way of working down as a joke. I keep going further south. So next stop is probably Florida. Let's see if I can get to Antarctica. <laughs> yeah, if you well, then you went back to the cold again. So I don't know. If yeah, you yeah, that's it. <laughs> full, full, full yeah, you don't want, yeah, you don't want to go full circle. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, the journey is a really interesting one when you think about a lot of people that, you know, explore different types of things and, you know, you're, you know, not really a lot, you know, 
different in the ways that, you know, some people end up in these entrepreneurial type environments, you know, they've come from somewhere else and something else, and they see the bug and they have the bug, and then they continue to want to live the bug, right? So it's really interesting, right, to watch the journey that happens with a lot of people. But at least, you know, one of the things I think that's important is you had some of the structure and backbone that was being built, right, to understand how to build and grow and scale. And, you know, sometimes I think, there are times where some early stage companies just didn't have that backbone, right? And they need to learn that. And obviously you had that in your career. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's something that, you know, um, I didn't think I appreciated at the time, but like the way I see it is like, you kind of have the classical training and like I'm big into sports, so ignore the sports analogy, but it's kind of like getting the fundamentals down and then you can go from there. So I saw it a lot, especially in the community where you meet folks, super talented and stuff. And we'd be doing, a, B, and C that came second nature just because it's like, hey, you got to do this. You got to do that. And they were, in fairness, you know, there's no right, exact right way. They were off on a different way. And I was like, hey, you kind of got to get this locked down first. And that will enable you to grow a little bit faster and stuff like that. So that's exactly it. So that's the stuff that um, like from the fidelities, especially around security and stuff like that, right? being a fidelity and then yeah. at SAS, you know, like that was more, that was definitely gigantic kind of data analysis, stuff like that. We, we did come with some really good out-of-the-box, as I'd say, stuff that was ingrained in us that we didn't realize was ingrained in us, like from the yeah. DevOps side and stuff. The less uh, the less sexy stuff, you know, people just want to like build and ship and stuff like that. Well, and I think that's one of the things that I talk about all the time as well, right? There's a difference between the product itself and the technology stack behind it, right? We can get into all of those things. Those things are two very distinct things. And, you know, some could be a little bit more loose and engaging on the product side where the tech stack though, right? You've got to get formalized and DevOps is one, you know, of those big, big things that, you know, again, a decade ago wasn't really talked about in the way in which it is now because it's truly important for you to build and scale. But, you know, one of the things that's truly important, which you said as well, right, is understanding that some of that structure actually helps. And I don't want our listeners to think that it's okay that you had to go on this journey because ultimately you can actually learn those things. Like those aren't things that are going to just naturally come unless you've kind of lived through them. Uh, you know, let's touch a little bit on that, like talk a little bit about, you know, sitting in the CTO role between like the DevOps side and what you got to think about from a tech stack versus what you think about on the product side, like bringing those two things together. No, that's, that's a great thing. And uh, I kind of go back to, you know, the, everyone like has probably heard the Facebook move fast and break things before. And if you remember, like, as they scaled up, they changed that to, I forget exactly the quote, but it was something of like, you know, move fast or like build and test, et cetera. But basically they were saying like, once their infrastructure and testing environment was in place, it enabled them to actually go faster rather than just breaking everything. You know, it was kind of getting the fundamentals. So that's exactly how I look at it, especially say in my, recent, uh, my latest company, when we came in, the first thing we attacked was the infrastructure, you know, the CICDs, getting it set up so that you can deploy a lot uh, safer, you know, no outages, you can go multiple times a day, et cetera. So if you have stuff that needs to get out there. So it's kind of the stuff that isn't initially off the top, you know, where you come in and you're looking at it and you're like, okay, this is product A. All right, we want to put all of these features on it. We want to track where the users are engaging here. We want to do that all very valid, all super important. The way I think of it is like your bones of your house or your building basically is your DevOps and your infrastructure setup. And to me, once you can get those in a really solid and secure, like good standing place, 
that enables you to do all the other stuff because you know like uh that's the stuff that sometimes I have seen has been overlooked. And that's where I've had some, some good conversations with folks on, you know, building an initial team for a startup and everything like that. And one of my things are always like, you can learn them, get someone who has an interest in it. Cause it's kind of a, it's like an acquired taste. A lot of times, right. You have some people who just love that side of computing. And if you can have someone who has that interest can go off and learn it. Cause there's so much stuff out there to learn. And that can really give your team a leg up as well, because you just feel, uh, I suppose it's kind of like your seatbelt. It just makes you feel a little bit more secure, if that makes sense. That's the way I kind of look at it. And that's how we've kind of built Silbo and Bosscat now is kind of from that, from that infrastructure up way to enable us to move a lot faster. Yeah. And I think that's critically important, right? To your point, right? The, you know, going back to the sports analogy and everything else, right? You have to learn those foundational skills and have the foundation built. And to build a house, you need a foundation. And to build product, you need a foundation. And all of those things do help, right? Go move faster, you know, downstream. Because, you know, one of the things is there, oh, look, everything is evolving on all of that stuff. And there's lots of emerging trends, whether it's on the DevOps side, right? Or the product building side, you know, looking at kind of where things are now, versus the past and where things are going, we're not going to talk about generative AI, right? Like that's, <laughs> we, we all have heard, right? That that's a trend and that's a thing. We all, we all understand it. You know, what are you seeing though? Like whether it's the DevOps side or the product side, that's really becoming more promising and understanding like what's really kind of exciting for the future, you know, of what the listeners should be able to explore to get up and running faster than the ways, right? It was done in the past because it's significantly different now. No, no, yeah, and uh, I know this is, this will be nothing new to any of the DevOps people, but like the serverless and everything that's up in those cloud in the cloud providers is so, and like the Dockerization or everything, is so transformative for smaller stage startups. As you said back in the day, you know, like you'd have to have a server, it'd have to be on premises. Right now, there's so many services and so much innovation that's happening, like you know, on a quarterly, yearly basis in AWS, Google Cloud, etc., like that. That there's so much that it's enabling you to do like we've we leverage a ton of different aws services from everywhere from like you know and like image recognition to our hey we need to quickly rule um roll something out with a partner cool let's just throw up a serverless action that can hit all of our apis and stuff like that there's so much there's so much to do in there basically. And it can like, you can kind of get lost in the weeds at certain times too, because, you know, it kind of gives you everything. It's important to make sure you stick to your core mission, but leveraging those tools that are out there. And uh, I know like some people are like all in on AWS. Some people are into others. Uh, We're personally always in AWS, but I think they all, they all offer basically a lot of the same stuff, but in that world, it's every year there's something new coming out that previously might have taken a few people in a team and you know hey i need an application for that no it's okay i'll throw up a lambda that'll do that or different stuff like that that we've been seeing that helped us reduce our 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 costs as well on that side which is super important for every startup so like the monitoring tools everything like that keeping our costs low but the value very high that's the stuff that's coming out every kind of year, basically for us. We've been leveraging, um, as I said, like a lot of the, the ML tools that are intrinsic into AWS now, we've been able to use them a lot for stuff that previously we would be using, you know, a third-party service for it, or we'd have to hire a contractor to try and help us kind of figure out how to do it. They have stuff that with some tutorials and everything like that, you can get stood up pretty quickly. 
Yeah, I think that's where you, you just hit on where I was going to go with what you were saying, too, is I think if you start to take advantage of the tools that are being built inside of those cloud infrastructures now that just weren't there, you can, you know, initiate really fast some structure to your environment, which, again, wasn't there even, you know, five years ago. And it's just becoming better and better as we go forward. And to your point, it doesn't matter whether you're in AWS or Azure or Google Cloud or whatever, they're all building around all of that infrastructure, you know, and it's making it so much easier to launch, you know, yourself now as you start to build out your product and, and things like that. Plus, you know, you've also got some built-in securities and other things that we had to use to manually manage, yeah. you know, back in the day. <laughs> so that helps too when, when some of that's there. No, yeah, exactly. Like infrastructure as a service or whatever they're calling it. Like it's so yeah. true. It's it's super. It's it's sped up everything. I think for uh, especially say newer companies or if you're trying doing a restack or anything like that. It's it's amazing. And I've talked to a few people recently who have because we were lucky. We were always in the cloud for our companies, but um, who have had to do that transition from on-prem to the cloud and stuff like that. And just talking to some, they're a little bit further along companies. And they were just on about like how much uh, peace of mind it's brought them as well and stuff like this different stuff out of the box. They say they're like, oh, my God, this is way better. Yeah, I've had that conversation with a lot of people I've been involved in some of those companies over the years, too. Right. Where when you're an older company, right, you've got stuff that was on prem because that was just the model before it went to ASP and before it went to, you know, whatever we want to call it, which is now, you know, truly the cloud, you know, kind of environments. And, you know, I talk about that with a lot of friends and you know colleagues as well about just how do you restack right when you're trying to move everything over. But with that, you get a lot of positive because you're you're managing one central place, you're not managing like what has been deployed in all of these locations that you don't just know what exists anymore. Um, so it is just it's such a better way to compute, you know, and and be able to you know kind of build a business which was a lot harder, you know, back in the day. And you know, you give props to the companies that are, have been around for twenty plus years to be able to have worked their way through all this because, you know, you think about how easy it is to do it now. Doesn't mean you're going to have a market, but it does mean it's yeah. easier. Um, but for the fact that you had to do it in that old way of shipping. No, that makes, that's uh, so true. Cause uh, myself and my friends, uh, they work at startups too. We were joking one time. I was like, how come like in Ireland, no one like, you know, the, like say the last few days, and I'm sure there probably were, but not that I'm aware of like the last few days of college or whatever, you know, Hey, I have this idea. Let's do it. That seemed so foreign back then. Cause you're like, Hey, how the hell would I even like do that? Because you'd exactly. have to buy a server and stuff like that. And you're just like thinking, oh my God, it just reduces the barrier to entry yeah. really a lot. So that's one of the coolest things too. Yeah. And it's it's just getting better basically. Yeah, I remember, I remember the days of having to kick the box under the decks. You know, it's like, <laughs> hey, reboot that thing because it's not working. <laughs> Right. So yeah, that, I, I worked at EMC on an internship and it was in the like racks and servers and stuff. Yeah. And that was the first thing I was told with uh, this uh, older dude who like knew everything. He's like, tell you what, Paul, the big secret, plug it out and plug it back. In. <laughs> It'll be fine. Yeah, we used to I used to work for the big company, too, in the mainframe world. And we had a we had we had a saying, you know, and it was dump and load, like dump <laughs> everything and then reload it. Right? Yeah. That, was, that was just the way you rebooted your systems back in the day and it was just it was funny it was like when when all else failed yeah that was the running joke internally like dump and load yep, like, i still use it today in our stuff if there's ever anything i'm like uh turn it off and turn it back on just on. the it yeah. crowd just works yeah it's just it's amazing right you don't have to necessarily deal with those kind of things anymore here we are you know in the 2020s and uh 
it's it's so light years ahead and obviously there's you know there's more things to come right like i mentioned there's generative ai and that is a tool within everything else right but you know looking at entrepreneurs and one of the things we talk about around the ai kind of initiatives and that are you know happening now i try to help foster people in understanding it is a tool it is not something you just basically are saying hey we're building a company that's an ai company Yes, yeah. you can build, use that kind of technology to build things faster, better, cheaper, those kind of things. Um, but, you know, just wrappering the idea of what AI is not a product. It's not a company. You want to use it to help speed process. You know, looking at today's tech entrepreneurs, right, that are coming into the industry that are looking at doing these things, you know, what advice would you give them, you know, to kind of get started when they look at their journey based on the experiences and stuff that you had right through the iterations of time here? Yeah, my one, it always goes back to like when we started in 2016, when we founded Sulbo, like the only thing we really knew is how much we didn't know if that makes sense. So like for us, it was literally consume as much information as we can, because a lot of times in anything in life, you know, I think people think, hey, we're the first ones ever doing this. It's like, no, you're not like people have come before you and people will come after you. And there's a lot of lessons that you can learn from them. Like where are the gaps, where are the like shadows that I'm not aware of? So for us, especially if you're starting out, one, understand that, and this is what I always kind of say is understand that Instagram's a rare bird, right? You know, founded and exited 18 months, boom, that's the one you hear in the news. Where that is, you know, that's Tom Brady. There's thousands and thousands of other companies, some super, some successful, you know, ranges of success. So if you're starting out, I'd say like definitely immerse yourself in it to learn and again, go back to fundamentals. Like there's so many good books out there that, you know, they're probably people are probably aware of that can help you at least kind of frame your mind. You know, like the lean startup is one that everyone always goes to. Like I, I honestly, I love like hatching Twitter and the upstarts for a founding team to read together because, and, and I joke and I joked at this, my, the, my fellow founders, when we were kind of first starting out, I was like, Hey, right now we all love each other right this is great but we're going to be in a basement where you were in that said basement it's like we're going to want to well i've been there i was there i was helping you guys in the early days of silvo so i know exactly where that basement was and it was it was that it was was, was, was (laughs) sd live real estate around and it was like hey we will want to choke each other so like those kind of stories show the ups and downs and stuff and that's it because it's never linear it's all this kind of like hey you know that that famous uh, picture that's what I'd say is start looking at the fundamentals. And then the number one thing, especially for like, say the tech, the tech person and the tech person of, of part of a group, if it is there is your customers, like nobody wants to hear this, but like in a startup, everyone's in sales, like your customer matters. Number one, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that you've added, <laughs> you've added password lists or you've done this or whatever, talk to your customers. Because a lot of times I see that as folks are adding bells and whistles to a bike no one wants to ride, right? Like it's like, hey, exactly. get to your customer, find out, hey, what are your pain points? Solve that pain point. You know, you might have a larger vision, as you said, like, you know, with generative AI, hey, yeah. we're gonna have robots that are gonna make your dinner. Yeah. Hey, first of all, like, you know, get the fundamentals in place, talk to your customers to try and make a sustainable business that can allow you to unlock all the like magic, cool stuff that, you know, when you're sitting around ideating that you were coming up with. And that's kind of what I would say is like, definitely just consume as much information as you can, because that will stand to you like going forward anyway. And you'll spot some of the gaps that you might not have seen. Like for us, we were lucky enough. One of the, one of the guys we had, we were friends with too, had worked early at Uber. 
So again, we had read up a bunch of that stuff. And then we were like, hey, is this how you opened the market? And it was like, eh, kind of like from all the stuff we read, it was like, but we also did this. And it, it empowered us to at least have a framework that, you know, you can, we could kind of help ourselves and then others are more willing to help you when you're not just sitting there like, hey, how do I launch a market? If that makes well, sense. And I, think, and I think that's an important point there. One, yes, listen to your customers because we preach this all the time. We talk about it, you know, a lot in, in a lot of these episodes there. It comes up often. You know, the other thing too, though, is the people around you, right? Like th- that to your point, Paul, like <laughs> people have done this before. There is others that came before you. There were other products that were similar you know, but, you know, there are better ways sometimes to do things and others have experienced those things, right? So leveraging advisors and mentors and things like that, the ones that have built and grown and done these things before, they're willing to share and work with you, right, to go do those things. And I think people forget that. They do. Yeah. And that's, and that can be your most, the most valuable part of your journey too, is making those connections and actually learning, as you said, like that was some of my favorite parts is sitting down with advisors like yourself and others. And like, just listening and you're like, oh, cool. So that's how you did that. Because when you're like, say, if I'm at a, when I'm at a larger company, you don't understand how the decisions are made at the higher levels, you know, and you're like, ah, cool. And as you said, everyone's gone through uh, either the exact same or a different flavor of it. And you can learn so much just by doing that and plugging in and not thinking like, hey, I'm on an island on our own. If that well, and, I, and that, I think that's the point, right? Is nobody should feel like they're on the island because all of us are kind of going for the same things and everybody likes to share and are you know willing to share and teach and you know kind of help going through that. And I remember those early conversations with you guys of like, it was like, oh, light bulb moment, right? It's like, it, yeah. believe me guys, it's not as difficult as it needs to be. But when you get caught in the weeds of doing stuff every day, right? Sometimes it's hard to pull yourself back out of those things no it is a hundred percent and now my other part is uh what's that thing is you know borrow from others in the industry you know you don't have as much of a of a budget so like for us for example like airbnb are unbelievable at design and they spend a ton on it there's a lot of um inspiration you can get from their yes. products is the yes. best well, and i think that's the truth though and i think that's you have to look at user interface and things like that that people have solved this problem right yeah. whether it's an airbnb or somebody else but there's no re- you don't have to reinvent the wheel on everything and there's a lot of open source you know types of things that are built out there so why go build that entire thing of whatever it is when it's already been built 17 thousand times at this point using the same technology that works exactly and that's one of the ones that you know hindsight after silbo had we had finished up we had a really robust onboarding system and vetting system and all that sort of stuff and it's funny now uh, when we got into it on the contractor side i didn't realize like we dismissed that part of like the silbo flow completely we're like oh yeah cool everyone has to do that and now looking at it, like, I didn't realize there was an entire industry of just onboarding tools. And I was like, yes. in my head, I was like, ours was just as good as all of that. And it was like 1% of 1%. our products. And so sometimes you can get lost in the weeds. And I was yeah. like, oh, no. Well, and I think it comes into going back to mentors and just how you build teams, right? Especially around the technology side, because, you know, I know you have done it. I've done it successfully over the years of looking at onshore, offshore, nearshore you know, teams, and it goes into the approach in which you take right around all of those teams. So, you know, it's important for I think the listeners to to kind of really explore these different ways, because I'm a fan of that approach when you build the teams the right way. I know you are as well, obviously. 
um, you know, having the international background, you know, <laughs> you know that you do, yeah, you know, and, and to build and scale successful companies, you've got to try to leverage, you know, some of these things. It's hard to, to, to move at the speed you need to when it's not a distributed team. Um, you know, talk about a little about, you know, that and some of the advice you'd give people building distributed teams, because in the today's tech world, it's becoming pretty much commonplace. You know, yeah, talk about we were- a little bit of what you've done there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely that was transformative for us at Silbo. And like exactly like that. I think sometimes as well, founders and the advice is, you know, trying to take too much on yourself or hey, I gotta find someone who lives down the road. It's like, no, there's talent worldwide that you can get at a much nicer price at times as well. So, like for us, we leveraged Eastern Europe initially, but the best places that we had was in South America near shore. The language skills, the time zone, the communication and the quality, especially on like the front end and React. And uh, what I think is like in the 90s in Ireland, there was a massive software boom. So, you know, that's why a lot of companies move there. And it turns out from just working with the folks down below is that that's a big thing in Uruguay these days as well. It's a massive like tech kind of explosion at the moment. So exactly. and I know a lot of like big companies out west kind of start with some nearshore and then they pluck the folks for full-time employment. So like you'll get really, really good talent down there. And I think one of the key things too that you know no one wants to think about when they start a company is uh, is the cost control. It does help keep your costs under important because you, you can only like it's like it's the fuel, right? It's I always talk like it's our oxygen. So you want to leverage your oxygen as much as you can, and you can really get more value for your dollar when you can supplement your team in specific ways offshore. And there's tons of really good companies. And the key being, you know, making sure you know what you're looking for, you know, having that hire. If you haven't hired before, just making, you know, as a developer, making sure that you're you're finding the person for your team. Because like you mentioned about the team, for me, I think that's the that's the biggest important thing, right? You've got to like who you're working with. And if you're all in the same path and you all have the same vision, you're going to go a lot further regardless. It's for me, that is the key important thing. And you can really supplement your team and kind of fill in the gaps that your team might have with this offshore, nearshore uh, developers that bring also a different flavor. So that's what's cool too for us is we have folks that have a different design eye than maybe I would have from Europe or folks in the States would have. And it's really been able to kind of round out our team. So it's kind of a cool, cool thing too. It is cool because sometimes, you know, working with those types of individuals around the world, they're seeing things, right? Obviously, in the cultures and the places that they live in, they're also working on a lot of other things historically. So you're getting a flavor of what and how people are solving, you know, very similar problems. Again, this goes back to, you know, people have done it before, you know, to leverage those things. And, you know, there is a huge value add, right, of using those, you know, distributed teams to to get to where you want. I mean, the experience of working with those types of people is actually pretty cool because they are seeing things that we may not see. No, yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. There's some cool stuff that sometimes I forget exactly the one was I was saying, hey, we do it like this. And they were like, well, actually, there's an app down here that already does this. And I was like, Brilliant. I would never have seen that, you know, in the app store. We were like, okay, that's exactly the flow we needed. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the the critical point of like really working in, you know, in today's environment, everything is we are a worldwide economy, right? So, you know, everything we have to look at today really goes down that path, no matter what industry you're in, it's, you know, the ability to be able to scale, you know, has a lot to do with that, you know, so 
you know, I look at this as, you know, kind of the big things. And before we wrap up, Paul, you know, I think it's pretty cool, like some of the, you know, the, the insights that you've kind of experienced right through these, you know, different environments. So what's next? Like what's on the horizon for you, for Boss Cat? Like where are you guys going next? Uh, yes, uh, really cool things happening here at Boscat at the moment. So when we came in, the company really got rocket fuel when our CEO Min took over. And we've been growing like steadily in the last two years, like really, or steadily, sorry, by a, by a lot. Um, and now obviously there's current marketing conditions, but we've been lucky. We've been able to diversify like who we serve from like commercial to retail, etc. So for us right now, I think we've got a really good foundation because we recently went through a tech restack. So that was one of the cool things about working here uh, is, you know, rather than my own starting from scratch startup was coming in and inheriting a tech stack and having to uh, like restack it so that the company could handle the scaling that's needed for where we want the company to go to. And I can see like from 2024 on, that's where I believe like a lot of the vision of, hey, this is how we're going to transform the homeowner's experience. That's where I see that coming up. So you'd mentioned a few things of like generative AI. We'll get there, that'll be there. But for us, we spent a lot of time on automation. You know, we, we take in a home inspection report and we digitize it. So we were going really bringing the analog to digital. And we've got that at a really, really high level of automation now. So going forward, that's going to really unlock us to be able to really concentrate on some of the other value adds we can bring to our customers. And that's what we want to be is just that easy button for everyone. So, you know, the the work that goes behind the scenes to make that happen is like, you know, like a duck, right? With the feet under the water. But for the consumer, we want it just like that button, you click it and it takes care of anything you want for your home. So that's what's kind of upcoming for us. A lot of cool products that are coming out soon. Um, Will the boss cat will be announcing it? And for me personally, I think that was a big milestone is having that restack coming in. You know, I had come in with the uh, my previous investors had asked me to come in, and it's really cool to be able to like we had said, hey, this is what we're going to do. Get us to a Series A and build up the infrastructure and technology to enable the company to scale. So that's kind of the mission that we had come in with. And we're very close to that being like completed. So just a really cool kind of experience at the moment. So excited for what the future might hold. Oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's the whole idea, right? As you set the vision, you start to transform it, right? And you move into kind of whatever comes next at that point. So, you know, I want to thank you, Paul, you know, uh, knowing you as long as I've known you, you know, I appreciate your insights and, and sharing. And I think it's always an interesting conversation when we get down this, sometimes entertaining, you know, as well. And, you know, I hope our listeners have gained a little bit, you know, from, from this today, because I think there's a lot of cool, you know, topics out there. So just for everybody listening, I want to thank Paul for joining us today and everybody out there don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so paul thank you so much we appreciate your time today cheers thanks anthony thanks aaron thanks everybody we'll see you next time hey thanks so much for tuning into this episode we really appreciate it if you found this conversation valuable go ahead and share it with your network and make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast listening platform to be the first to hear of new episodes. Until then, stay curious, stay engaged, and stay tuned for more amazing insights right here on the 7 Peer Podcast.